Hello, and a very good day to you. My name is Jim Harris, and this is Heritage Bible Radio. Heritage Bible Radio is an extension of Heritage Bible Church in Boise, where it's my joy to serve as the teaching pastor. Every day, we devote our radio time to studying a portion of the Word of God so you can know Him better through Jesus Christ and serve Him better through your local church. This week on Heritage Bible Radio, we begin a three-part series with Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18, which states, And do not get drunk with wine, for that is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. This message not only completes last week's message on the believer's consumption of wine or alcohol, but explains what Scripture truly means by being filled with the Holy Spirit. Please listen carefully to Pastor Harris as he teaches today's portion of this week's message entitled, Be Filled with the Spirit, Part 1. Inaccurate statement number one, you must ask in order to receive the Holy Spirit. Number two, you must regularly ask the Spirit to fall afresh upon you. You Like on your internet browser, you have to refresh the screen to get the data to update, kind of that idea. If you've been a Christian for a while, you've probably, or you may have sung a a beautiful chorus. I like it. I like the pathos of it. I like the the, uh, sentiment of part of it. But it goes like this. I'm not going to sing it. Don't worry. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on me. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on me. Melt me, mold me. Fill me, use me. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on me. Like I said, I like the sound of that chorus. It's it's very singable. I like the sentiment. Melt me, mold me, fill me, use me. I think that should be the cry of the heart of any child of God, uh, to, to mold me as He alone knows best. But the problem is that the rest of the prayer that is in that chorus contradicts what the Bible says. To pray, fall afresh on me, denies He's already there. It denies the reality that the Spirit is in your life. So to pray that prayer would be like sitting next to your best friend and begging your friend to visit you. He's there. She's there. To teach a believer to ask for the Spirit to fall afresh or descend upon the heart ignores all the teaching about you have the Holy Spirit. He lives within you. You are not your own. You're bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body. Now, a prayer like that might have been prayed by an Old Testament prophet where the Holy Spirit would come upon them in different ways. But we have a whole different relationship with the Holy Spirit. You know, in our daily emails, John 13, 14, 15, 16, I will send the Spirit. And when I go to the Father, He sent the Spirit. And He sends the Spirit to every child, every child of God, everyone who believes in Him. Here's a third inaccurate statement about the ministry of the Holy Spirit. You must empty yourself of sin and of self and live a separated life in order for the Holy Spirit to come and fill your heart. Now, don't misunderstand. It's good 
to confess and repudiate and mortify sin. It's right to consider everyone else more important than yourself. It's godly to separate yourself from the sinful things of this world. But this concept is based on a faulty idea that your heart is like a receptacle and the Holy Spirit is like a substance that fills a space which is otherwise unoccupied. You might call this wrong idea gas tank theology. The idea is you, you have to empty it to make room before you can fill it up. Um, and that's just not right. If anything, it's the opposite of what is true. You don't empty yourself in order to get filled with the Holy Spirit. Fill yourself with something which is God's Word. I'm going to show you that the parallel is between Ephesians 5.18 and Colossians 3.16 where one says, be filled with the Spirit. The other one says, let the Word of Christ dwell richly within you. No, you turn and fill your heart with the things of God's Word and then you come under the control of the Holy Spirit. The idea that you have to do something in order to be filled with the Holy Spirit puts the proverbial cart before the horse. You can't clean up all by yourself. And remember the Holy Spirit's name, His first name is Holy. It's the Spirit of holiness. You need the Spirit in order for you to make those decisions to do the the holy thing, the right thing, the, the good thing. That would be just as silly as saying, well, you have to get rid of all your sin before you can receive Christ as your Savior. No, yeah, that's, not, that's not the case. You receive the Holy Spirit just as you came to God. Now, I know I, I torpedoed a song you might like. Let me give an attaboy to another one. You receive the Holy Spirit just as I am without one plea. But that thy blood was shed for me. It is the Holy Spirit who will clean up your life if you will but cooperate with Him. He is the Holy Spirit. Let me read you some words from a famous lexicographer, a New Testament scholar. Uh, He was one of the translators of the original American Standard Bible, 1901. Um, Kenneth Wiest is his name. You may have heard of him. Good good guy, longtime faculty member at Moody Bible Institute in their greatest days. He wrote this, we must not think of the Holy Spirit filling our hearts as water fills a bottle or air fills a vacuum or a bushel of oats fills a basket. The heart of a Christian is not a receptacle to be emptied in order that the Holy Spirit might fill it. The Holy Spirit is not a substance to fill an empty receptacle. He is a person to control another person person, the believer. He does not fill a Christian's life with himself. He controls that person. You're going to learn that the essence of being filled with something is being controlled by it. Just like we say that person is controlled by anger, controlled by grief. To be controlled by the Holy Spirit is the idea of being filled. All right, here's another negative idea or inaccurate idea. The Holy Spirit is an it. 
The Holy Spirit is a person. The Holy Spirit is not merely a force without personality. Um, there's an a advertisement on, that plays on the radio right before our program often, and it just grates on me every single time I hear it. It says, faith and fear are like opposite forces in the world. No, they're not. All right? Faith isn't a force. You don't aim the phaser of your faith at something and fire. No, you put your faith in the one who can control you. And the Holy Spirit is a a person just as much as Jesus is a person. And we could fill a, a sermon series with the personhood of Christ and the Father and the Holy Spirit. But for now, let me just point out to you The Holy Spirit is not spoken of as an impersonal force. He has personhood, mind, will, emotions. They're consistently attributed to the Holy Spirit. To put it in our recent context, Ephesians chapter 4 verse 30 commands you, do not grieve the Holy Spirit. You have to be a person to be susceptible to being grieved. I can't do anything to grieve that chair there. If you were sitting in that chair, I could do something to you to cause you grief. You see, you have to be a person, not an it, in order to have that kind of of response. There's a remarkable evidence for the personhood of the Holy Spirit in the grammar of the New Testament, because in in the Greek language... Pronouns and adjectives have to agree in person, in uh, in gender with the verb and and noun or with the noun rather. And nouns have gender, masculine, feminine, or neuter. The word for spirit is neuter, and every time that it refers to the Holy Spirit with a pronoun, it's always him, her, or his. Personal pronouns, not the impersonal pronouns, it or its. The Holy Spirit is not like the force of Star Wars. Um, I saw a gospel tract one time. I, I really hope it's out of print. It was based on relating the force from Star Wars. I mean, people understand the force from use the force, Luke. Um, they, they thought, well, let's be cool and let's relate that to the Holy Spirit. And the implication of that tract is that the theology of those movies is essentially Christian allegory, and it's not. The force has a good side and a bad side, and, they, and they're in balance and in stasis. That's not true of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's God Almighty, one of the three persons of the Godhead. Now, mind you, there is a theology behind the worldview of the Star Wars movies and books. But it's basically Eastern mysticism. It's a kind of a hybrid Hindu-Buddhist sort of view of the world. Now, the Star Wars movies, I think, are fun. I, I confess to enjoying them for the, for the science fiction. But their theology is absolutely terrible. The Holy Spirit is a person who comes to control believers who are willing to cooperate with Him. He's not an impersonal force that you harness, you submit to His control. 
If you would like this message on Compact Disc, let me know and we'll send it to you. You'll receive the entire message, not just the portion on today's program. You can order by phone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704 or on the internet at hbc-boise.org. Heritage Bible Radio needs your prayers and your financial support. Once again, you can reach us online at hbc-boise.org or by telephone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704. And if you need a church home here in the Treasure Valley, I hope you'll visit us any Sunday at 7071 West Emerald. For Heritage Bible Radio, I'm Jim Harris. See you next time. Bye-bye.